This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, guys and gals. This is your Locked On Game, Locked On Browns pregame show, week 15 at Arizona, 4.05 p.m. start. Uh, folks, you know, don't start hitting the booze too early. Uh, it's, you know, these four o'clockers are a little later. Um, your host, Jeff Floyd from SI.com, Brown, Brown's Maven, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown wise for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. Uh, news today, Olivia Verdon, no trip for him. Eric Murray, no trip for him. I guess my guess is mm, you win in Arizona, you win in Arizona. Maybe these guys try to, you know, gut it up for Baltimore week 16. Marvelous how that's working out. Um, also, Pete, um, Terrell Suggs, longtime foe, um, actually released today, so he won't be part of it. Maybe a good chance we'll see him next week. Uh, what is your storylines as we start heading into week 16? We got offense versus defense, all that stuff to get into. Sorry, say that again? I was waiting for you to jump in on the news of the day. I mean, Pete, come on, your old buddy Terrell Suggs. He's 37. He's, you know, he went home for a year and they cut him before he made it through the whole year. I mean, he's, he is, uh, he's had a tremendous career. He's going to be a borderline Hall of Famer and he can't play anymore. Uh, so, I mean, that's sort of where we're at. It's, it's everybody, uh, everybody's time eventually comes and for Terrell Suggs, the time has come. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, in the way Adam Schefter and uh, Ian Rappaport were putting this on, guys, I, I don't know that somebody is going to put a waiver claim in on Terrell Suggs to pay him $3 million for two games. So I, I wouldn't be too quick to think that's going to happen. This is going to be one most likely where he's going to make it through that process. And I'll be honest with you, Terrell Suggs, and they probably already know where they're going. They probably do. So that's probably mo- most likely why they asked to be put out of there. Um, Pete, this was a game, obviously, you know, we had earmarked early, you know, there's, you, you can't, you know, the storylines are, are endless, you know, obviously if it's Baker and Kingsbury or if it's Baker and Kyler Murray, if it's Freddie Kitchens and it's <clears throat> Steve Wilkes coming back to Arizona, kicking out there, Zane Gonzalez, a um, lot of, a lot of crossover here, Cleveland, Arizona wise, granted, neither team did, well, Arizona, maybe not. I mean, you know, even though you drafted the, drafted the quarterback one overall, you still had a ton of holes to fill out there. But, you know, this is a game that certainly is not now getting the luster that it did. I mean, we had thought about this. I remember when we did the schedule release, this was, could have ended up maybe being a game that got flexed. But, uh, you know, here we are, uh, Cardinals offense. We get to see the number one overall pick against the number one overall pick of 2018. Either way, you know both of these guys are coming in juiced up. Right. Um, this game has, you know, the element of a trap game. I mean, I know it's on the road, but there's always a game that looked like it was going to be uh, difficult uh, going out on on the West, you know, not West Coast, but going out West, um, even when we thought the Browns might be, you know, in double-digit wins at this point, this looked like a game where they could trip. Uh, I still think that's the case. Uh, it doesn't really have much of a grudge matchy feel to it. It's more of seems all parties involved at least are playing it like it's more or less a, you know a fun sort of matchup. 
Mayfield and, and Kyler Murray seem to be having fun with it. Uh, there's no indication at all that uh, Mayfield has an issue with Cliff Kingsbury at this point. They both basically said that the, the hatchet has been buried. Kingsbury said he wishes he could have, you know, handled it better. Uh, Steve Wilkes doesn't seem to care at all, uh, whether you know whether that's true or not. So I mean, it's it just uh, really I think part of the reason there's not as much juice for it is because neither team is where they want to be, and they're both trying to like figure this thing out with three games left in the season. Yeah, I mean, look for for Arizona, it's just trying to improve. Um, you know, look the, the Browns, it's a you know keep winning and not, even still keep winning may not be enough. Um, in Wilkes, uh, I don't know about Steve Wilkes. I, you know, I, cause I think Steve Wilkes got one of the most scroogey hatchet jobs in the history to be had. Um, Baker, how much could you really be aggravated to Cliff Kingsbury? Um, you know, I don't think the path would have led to where Baker ended up being the number one overall pick through Lubbock. Um, it, it, you know, you got your chance to show you could play college football. He played it pretty well. You got your chance to go from Lubbock to Norman, Oklahoma. I mean, it really isn't too much of a reason to be upset with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And the other thing was, is, you know, Patrick Mahomes as well. I mean, it was just a tough scenario, whatever. It's And the craziest thing is Cliff Kingsbury didn't parlay that Texas Tech gig into something better. Having Baker Mayfield and having Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he should be somewhere, anywhere, down south coaching college football with a lot more ease on his conscience but we'll play it all out offensively pete obviously we got kyla murray and i agree with you here this is what makes me nervous about this game and this is you know and for people who want to poo-poo on olivier vernon that he's not going to be playing olivier vernon is an assignment disciplined football player this is the type of guy this type of game where you could really miss olivier vernon kyler there is design runs there is the threat of runs, and then there is the guess what? I'm getting rushed, and now it's you know it's party time, and I'm going to use my legs. Um, you know, Chad Thomas doesn't ring of a, a give you a ringing endorsement of a disciplined player. Cox, Gustin, they are learning here on the fly. Um, so now it's you know if you have Joe having to worry about a running quarterback and coverage assignments, you saw it with the Russell Wilson touchdown against Seattle. So I mean. Even a phenomenal player, if there's just too many things they got to worry about, it leads to issues. Then you put in Kenyon Drake. David Johnson is sort of alive, caught a big touchdown pass last week. And then, you know, it's, you know, Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who it doesn't matter. I, I, Larry Fitzgerald could be 62 years old. And if it's third and four, Larry, Larry Fitzgerald's going to find the sticks and, and get you five yards. There's still enough here to piecemeal it together to, you know, score in the 20s and, you know, have the Browns on their toes if, if the offense isn't doing what they're supposed to? Uh, so not having Olivier Vern, personally, I'm more than happy to shut it down uh, until 2020. I don't care that he doesn't play at this point. Um, I know where the season is, uh, and it's not going to a place where it's going to matter if he, he's on the field. But not having him, uh, it just means the defensive front for the Browns is slower, and that's where I would be concerned as it relates to Kyler Murray is, is, you know, if Sheldon Richardson has to play end, if, you know, you've got Chad Thomas out there at end, um, you can, you know, you can essentially scramble or what, what stretch plays out or, or do some of those things. And they don't really have much recourse uh, because they're just slow in, in this case. I mean, they, they may be bigger, they may be more stout, 
but they're arguably their fastest guys uh, in this matchup are Larry Yogan-Joby and, and, and uh, Sheldon Richardson. That's certainly not ideal uh, against Kyler Murray. That's not ideal against David Johnson. That's not ideal against Kenny Drake. So that puts more stress on your linebackers. Uh, I will be curious to see what they do with Mac Wilson in this one, uh, because that that again, this is the, you know he's a, he's a player that normally opponents really like to target uh, and exploit, and he could be the one particularly impacted by uh, you know by this situation they're in, where Kyler Murray they, they basically make their offense where it's Kyler Murray scrambling uh, or throwing or what have you and forcing Mac Wilson to make choices that he's probably not going to do well with. Uh, You know, the last thing you want is, you know, is for Mac to get singled out. You know, the question is here, um, do you go again, you know, as you always say with that X, you know, are you going to use Sione Takitaki more? Are you going to use Redwine more? I'm assuming you're going to have to use Redwine, the better athlete. And the other thing, you know, for anybody listening, guys, go check out the two games where the Cardinals played the 49ers. They played them really well. They played them really tough. The game is the second one in San Francisco. I mean, it was close. It was really close. Um, and maybe the Cardinals just had one more player. It would have made a difference. This this team cannot be slept on by any means whatsoever. Uh, Kingsbury, even with the running game, there's there's motion everywhere. Uh, you know, there's motion to the left, then another guy motion to the right. It's it, it's it, it's crazy. It's a lot of deception, and this is why I keep preaching discipline here. Um, but I guess you got to go with Redwine playing that X, Pete. No, I, I would I, I would be surprised if Taki Taki's on the field in this game. Uh, but yeah, I assume this week it's going to be 100% Redwine. I think he's one of the few players that actually matches up really favorably. I think they're going to spread the Browns out. I think they're going to try to stretch. Uh, the defense horizontally as much as they are vertically, and that would uh, certainly say to play red wine, and obviously it's going to be difficult because he can't just, you know, they can't just man him up on something. He's going to be asked to do some things in space, and again, probably make some decisions. Otherwise, you run into a situation which uh, the Jets kept running into with Lamar Jackson is, for whatever reason, uh, Greg with two Gs Williams, kept running some defenses where nobody was responsible for Lamar Jackson. They had man coverage. They had that, you know, that angel safety look and Lamar Jackson basically took one look at it, pulled the ball down and ran with a ton of space in the middle of the field. I don't think the Browns and Steve looks are going to do that. So someone's going to have to be, you know, whether that just simply comes in the form of zone uh, or some some kind of combo coverage so that they're not turning their their backs on Kyler Murray. They're going to have to be able to do something that forces him to get rid of the football or at least be able to tackle him when he tries to pull and run. <clears throat> it's funny you bring it up, Lamar, because even a couple of those runs, I mean, they were so wide open. There was offensive linemen in front of him who weren't even having to commit to a block till 10 to 12 yards down the field. So it was comical in the way that was going on down. Look, Pete, you know, the, the absence of pass rush has been a big thing here. And Sheldon Richardson obviously doing a pretty good job at one of the defensive end spots. Of course, it weakens you somewhere else. 
it, it, you know, can, can you even ri- risk blitzing Kyler Murray? Because if those guys don't, don't get home, guess what? Then there's no second level, and there's Kyler Murray going off for 10 to 15 a clip. Uh, I think they'll absolutely blitz him. It's just a question of uh, how can they do it where it's not going to allow him to pick them apart or, or see something. I think it's going to be have to be in the form of trying to disguise your blitzes. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some guys like Chad Thomas dropping into coverage uh, to try to fool him, but they're going to have to try to get him uncomfortable because they cannot allow him to just sit back there and, and pick him apart. Otherwise, it's going to just be Oklahoma uh, for him and just scanning the field, being able to take forever back there and ultimately finding ways to pick you apart. Um, so they're going to have to find ways to generate pressure. Uh, if they can't get that with a front four, which is really unlikely, uh, other than maybe Sheldon Richards and Larry Ogunjobi doing some things, then they're going to have to come up with some supplemental ways to do that. And that's going to be blitzing. You know, that's the easiest thing they can do with Mac Wilson because then he doesn't have to think. He can just go. Uh, they can obviously do that with a guy like Sheldon Redwine and get some speed up the field. But, yeah, I think they're absolutely going to blitz Kyler Murray, and it's just a question of if they can catch him off guard and keep him off balance. And if they can do that, they can be really successful. If not, then it could be a really long day. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess you're going to have to keep it more A and B gap type of blitzes because, I mean, look, you, you can't get over the fact that, it, you know, it, I mean, it's not like Baker's a giant either, but, I mean, at five foot ten, if you're not bringing extra people in front of you, it's really hard to get a chance to scan the field and hopefully somebody will be there to be able to clean it up and get him down as opposed to him, you know, breaking out of the pocket and all that mess because then it's going to be party time probably in that scenario. We got more to get to here. Obviously, we'll switch it up here. We'll go Browns D. I mean, Browns offense versus the Cardinals defense. Pete's going to hit you here with some words from the fine folks over at Blue Chew. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, blue like the color blue. Uh, The Blue Chew has the same proven active ingredients as uh, products like Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. It's chewable and can work up to twice as fast as the pill. You can take it any time on a full stomach and be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Uh, getting a prescription is easy. Uh, shipping can be very discreet. And uh, if you plug in the locked on uh, promo code, uh, you can get they can help you out and get started uh, a little bit uh, a little bit easier. Uh, so check out the folks at, at Blue Chew. Uh, always appreciate all our sponsors, fine folks over at Blue Chew. You've been here for a while, and we appreciate you, and we thank you all of us here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Pete, now this is, you know, look, you go into this and, you know, this Cardinals defense, it's it's not much. It's not much. Um, you have Terrell Suggs. I mean, I'm sorry, not Terrell Suggs. Obviously, Terrell Suggs has been moved on. Chandler Jones, still a phenomenal pass rusher. That's going to scare the living daylights out of you against whichever tackles out there. For the love of God, please let it be Kendall Lamb. Uh, and, you know, Jordan Hicks is actually doing a nice job as the middle linebacker. Not much help there. Uh, in the secondary, Patrick Peterson is not the player he once was. You got the rookie in Byron Murphy. Buda Baker, a draft darling of mine. But it, there's not a lot here. And it's understandable. You know, it, it takes a while to replenish. And it certainly didn't help the Cardinals that they drafted Josh Rosen brought in a new head coach in Steve Wilkes. And then a year later, you're drafting number one overall, and you've scrapped your plan from the year before. 
You traded away that quarterback. You drafted another quarterback. It, it's understandable that you're weak on talent. But this defense, it, it, it's got some holes. For me, Pete, it, it, it screams, uh, look, if the theory now is, you know, win out and see where the chips may fall, that tells me then I, 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 I would like – 30 to 35 carries between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That is what is the best thing you got going on right now. So if this is all of win and we'll see where we're at, then that's what you got to do. Well, I mean, they are smaller, but like Buda Baker, if memory serves, is like far and away their leading tackler in terms of solo tackles. Um, so, yeah, the Browns should be able to line it up and, and run it down their throat a bit. And, and use that to set up play action. And that respect, it sets up really well. Uh, their tight end should have a, a decided advantage in terms of size. Uh, and, you know, the, the, they have some nice players. They have some fast players, but they're just not very big. And if you can sort of control uh, the line of scrimmage and the, and, and the way the game rolls, uh, then you can at least diminish some of Chandler Jones' impact, even though he's – you know, he's one of those guys that just you know, is, is a reminder why the Browns have to address their tackle situation because he's somebody who can, you know, can, can take over a game, can make a major impact, cause a turnover, and, and essentially flip the game. But the Browns are just bigger, and they have to take advantage of it, and they have to play like it. And this would, you know, look, this is the week, and for that offensive line, this is the week where maybe you can kind of get your, uh, your ha-has, your jollies off on, you know, some of the issues they've had. In, in in the run blocking game, just lean on. I mean, you you just physically bigger guys go out, get that done. Pete, what do you think they do with Patrick Peterson? Is it just going to be Patrick Peterson and Odell, or are they going to address the fact that maybe you know because this was talked about during last week's game that um, you know William Jackson kept going with Odell, but I mean you know nobody's really fooled right now. Everybody knows the deal. Odell is you know whatever percentage number you want to put on it, he's he's not the guy he normally is. And Jarvis essentially is the guy you need to take away because he's the one who's been the consistent receiving force on this team week in, week out. Well, I mean, a lot depends on, you know, do, do they have Patrick Peterson follow around? Do they have him shade or are they playing sides? Most of these teams anymore play sides. And if that's the case, you can just move Odell Beckham to the other side. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think so much of last week, was Baker Mayfield seemingly trying to force the ball to Odell Beckham late, trying to force the ball uh, to Odell Beckham in awkward positions. And I think so much of it is just getting to him, getting him the ball in the normal flow of the offense. And if they do that, they'll be fine. If they don't, then, you know, you potentially put the ball up in danger to, to a guy like Patrick Peterson and he can, you know, he can not only cause, uh, you know, a big play in the turnover, he can just, score and that's where I think the Browns can get themselves in trouble is like so many of the other games they've been playing is just turn over the ball and you know let the other team essentially get a cheap score get an easy score and suddenly be playing from behind and get flustered and not trusting your game plan so you know and the other part of that is if you run the football and you you force them to be honest with it you can probably create some seams with play action and those other things uh, you know, they like that RPO mesh stuff uh, where they create slants and some of those things. You know, those those can be easy ways to create some some seams in the defense. But, yeah, I mean, 
you know, I, I don't, I don't think you have to be afraid of Patrick Peterson, but you have to be, you just have to be smart and play effective offense. So if you do that, they can move the ball on anybody. And when they don't, they can look like shit against anybody as they've proven. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's funny how you um, the stuff you're bringing up because you know what do you think for, you know first play last week what they do they went to Odell now you think about what went down with Friday is you know there's no place else I'd rather be but you know you just need to look because Odell's going to get you 15 to 20 yards per reception so he doesn't really need the high volume but when he is open is when you got to get him the ball because a number one he's still a threat to take it to the house. It, it, you know, it has to be nuanced. And like you said, it has to come through the natural progression of the game. And ideally what you're looking for here with these RPO concepts is, you know, you're creating some short underneath routes for Odell, for Jarvis. But there also is the, if people jump on that, guess what? There's not many teams that can handle David Najoku going down the scene. Um, so that's ideally what they were probably trying to hope to get to. It certainly doesn't help that you lost David Najoku for 12 weeks like he did nothing you can do about it. it is what it is it's spilled milk but that's still stuff you'd like to try and get to and try to show um they made a lot of this you know freddie and Rashard higgins you know five to six minutes during practice the other day do you think this changes anything do you think 81 is going to get any run or was that just a just a common courtesy head coach checking in on a player that's probably disgruntled well, if you go by most of the media reaction, uh, it was basically a situation where Freddie was scolding him um, or whatever. And, you know, the, the body language police looked at uh, Richard Higgins, uh, the way he walked away and, you know, assumed it's it's more bad news for Higgins. I, I don't I don't A principal's know. office I mean, visit type of thing. Yeah, I mean, look, I, what I saw last week was a team evaluating – Guys like Kadero Hodge and Damian Ratley and some of those things uh, to see about what they have in these guys for next season. If they don't feel like Rashard Higgins is in that uh, equation and you combine that with uh, them feeling like he, he doesn't bring enough to the table, uh, whether they're right or wrong, I would say they're probably wrong on that. But nevertheless, if they're making the calculation that, look, this is not going to be here next year. We're going to try to see what else we can do. I, 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 I don't hate it. I mean, it, it, like I, again, I think they are wrong in the way they're going about this and, and what has gone on with Richard. I don't know who's really, you know, at the root of blame in this scenario, but if they like Daryl Hodge, if they like, Damian Ratley, if they like some of these other players and they want to see what they have for next season, I, I, it's hard for me to really get angry with that. Like, you need a miracle to make the playoffs. And obviously the Browns have to win and they have to try to win. But I'm not sitting here heartbroken from the standpoint of, well, you know, we've got to get this guy in the field because he was really good last year. You just have to you have to make the decision of what's best for the team in this scenario, and what's best for the team it may be going with those other guys. Well, the other thing is, you know, look, the, you know, when we had talked about this for when you know Kareem had come back, you had the opportunity now to start doing some twenty personnel with two running backs. Now you've got five tight ends, so you can play twelve personnel. This is what has kind of been Freddie's bread and butter. 
what does that do? It eliminates, eliminates, you know, it hurts wide receiver reps and how many guys are getting reps. And now between Ratley and Hodge and Higgins, you're in this odd spot going further, you know, going forward where Hodge brings you plus special teams play, really good special teams play. Um, if he can contribute at all as a receiver, it, it makes him a safe guy. Ratley is essentially competing with Hodge. So how does Ratley keep himself around? Maybe, you know, look, Damian Ratley is going to be here this entire offseason going into camp, all of that stuff. But it's whether about, you know, he really has a legit opportunity to make this team for a third straight year. And the way that would be done is, you know, by showing something at the wide receiver position. Rashard Higgins, I, it, I hate to say it, you know, it, it drives Pete nuts. It drives me nuts. But you go long enough down the road, I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, this front office and obviously this head coach, what what they saw last year, they view as a mirage. They don't view that as what Rashard Higgins really is. Um, sucks, but, you know, but you, you know, when you're looking at this and you're looking at this position going further, what you're looking at is, is, you know, how many wide receivers do I need to bring in next year? Um, you know, it's already one. Higgins is going to be gone. Callaway certainly didn't help you. Um, so it, it, it's probably two. Um, and, you know, the fact that Rashard Higgins really isn't much at all the special teams guy. Ratley at least has got him that going for him. Hodge this year, I mean, he had at least one play, um, you know, as a receiver, but is a really, really good special teamer. And we talk about this all the time. This is what happens when you're in that, you know, 45 to 53 in the roster. It's what can you do besides the position you actually are? And it, it sucks, but, you know, and I hate it. I mean, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. But, you know, Rashard Higgins, Aiden, I'll tell you right now, they could offer big money. I, there ain't no way in hell he'd come back here. I don't blame him. He's going to go somewhere else and he's, you know, restart up there. You know, it sucks. It hurts. We appreciated the guy. Um, Pete, and I'll ask you again, these people are not dumb enough to start Chris Hubbard on Sunday. If we're talking about taking a look at people and we're doing this seems in a bunch of spots, they cannot be letting Chris Hubbard start Sunday. Well, again, I think they have a perfectly viable excuse to not put him out there and not sort of give the the impression they're benching him. If he's not healthy... Uh, but know, why you, would that matter, though? Why would that matter? They, they, they did it to Greg Robinson. Why would it matter? Well, it shouldn't. Uh, I, I just that that they they could absolutely just say, "Look, you suck. Sit down." But I think they're going to go ahead and take advantage of the fact that whatever he is, he's slightly less than a hundred. He's somewhere less than a hundred percent, and as a result, they can just say, "Well, he's hurt, and we're going to go with this other dude." Uh, so the, the other thing with this is I my expectation with Chris Hubbard is they're going to hold on to him like till like June and then try to trade him uh, and get something for him and I think they can I don't think they're going to release him early I think there's a cap benefit for holding him onto, onto him until after June 1st teams always need more linemen and I think they will be ultimately be able to trade him so uh, as much as they it might make sense to be like, you know, just to say he stinks and move on. Um, I think by not doing that, it may help them in the sense that they can, they're not openly crushing his value and they can, you know, maintain that they can try to get something. 
Interesting. I, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, I mean, look, if obviously if you can get even if it's a day three pick, even if it's a year or two away, um, something's better than nothing. And then there's always those teams after the draft where it's all right, let's do our current inventory. Crap. I guess we wish we were a little bit better here. Uh, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. We'll get to a little bit more here on Lockdown Browns. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can choose any game and you're going to tell everybody the outcome? If you are, mybookie.ag is the place for you. Look, this time of year, if you were somebody who likes to wager, it is the greatest time for you. We're about to hit bowl season. You've got all of these games. Um, so much, so many ways to do it. Obviously, um, I always recommend parlays next Saturday. You got a three-game NFL slate. So there's always a good way to manipulate the point spread and to your favor, to your advantage if you want that. Uh, fantasy players, you can put money on over-unders. Obviously, with this, you know, and we get around these holidays, you've got, you know, so many games during the week between bowl games, and now the NFL flexes out really even a little bit more. Plenty of opportunities, plenty of games, NBA, college basketball, whatever you need. MyBookie.ag has got you taken care of. Uh, go ahead, create an account. They will match your initial deposit up to 100% when you use the promo code, all caps, locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Pete, my friend, predictions. Look, I, 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 yeah. I am a little nervous about this because for and when I did the crossover, um, I believe they have the Rams left. The Cardinals do, and they have Seattle left. Um, if there's another chance to throw a W on the board for the Cardinals, this is maybe the one. So, you know, that does concern me a little bit. Uh, Kyler Murray's legs, uh, you know, you're missing some players that are usually good assignment-wise, discipline-wise. It gives me nerves. I, I do think I, – I think the Browns right now have a good – this is what we got to do, everybody together, and l- l- let's get it done. So I, I think they're going to pull it out. And, the, you know, the question would be, I mean, yes, they're capable of winning this game by 10 points. They are. Um, you know, there's, and here we go again. It's now the, it's the fifth, it, well, it's the 14th free game show, but here we are again. It's the question of, you know, Jekyll or Hyde, which one shows the hell up? Yeah, I, I, I think the Browns will play uh, enough, well enough to be incredibly unsatisfying in victory, as that seems to be their move. Uh, they'll win. Uh, they'll win ugly. No one will be happy with any of it. Twenty-three twenty. Yeah, they, they, no one will know what to do with it. No one will know what it really means. <laughs> Next one. Um, I don't know if they're going to try to do what they did. Seemingly tried to do last week, which is, you know, reduce the amount of uh, work Chubb was doing. And I'll be curious to see if they do something like come out with, you know, try to just smash smash mouth football with Kareem Hunt initially uh, and then sort of supplement it with some Chubb later or if they're just going to come out and say, we're going to just feed the ball to Chubb right off the bat, see if we can't create a lead and then operate from there. Um, I'll be curious to see if they – it like I know they didn't run that many plays in the first half last week, but it really did feel like 
they were, you know, doing this to doing the amount of passing they were for the sake of a point of working on stuff. And I don't think they're going to do that this week, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, it obviously be really helpful if they can get a productive day out of David Joku because that should open up everything else. But if they run the ball effectively, they run play action effectively. I think they can score points. My my concern is uh, what they're how much are they going to be able to do on defense if they're going to be able to get key stops. And it's again, it's just a matter of being out of guys, and that will be difficult. But I think the Browns will win, win ugly, and win in an unsatisfying back, uh, fashion that pleases no one, and then they move on to the next one. So yeah, it'll be another week of. You know, talking about a win like it's a loss, that type of thing. <laughs> Just utter, utter, utter insanity. Pete, now here's the thing. Now, and this is just, you know, look, the way the schedule breaks here. But now imagine if the AFC North legitimately was up for grabs a week from Sunday in Cleveland and Baltimore's coming into it off a 10-day rest. Uh, I mean, that, that was it. Huge, huge scheduling break for Baltimore that I really didn't think much of. But here you are, and now they are, you know, the way they cruised. And, you know, that, that would have been really interesting. And I am sure this Cleveland fan base would not have been happy. Sure. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, if you were looking at it, you were going, well, they just played the Bengals and the Cardinals. So, you know, it shouldn't be that eh, rough. Had a couple cookies them. yourself. Yeah, I mean, even if you don't think the Cardinals were going to be easy, the Bengals were. So you sort of were able to, you know, and and a lot of the, you know, a lot as as much of the second half schedule was to be, you know, they were supposed to be working on the downhill, and this was so you know going to be their one real matchup uh, that they had to 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 worry about before they made the playoffs. So. That being said, that, that that you know no longer the case, but uh, and and it, it it's more of a matter of they're just it's attrition and they're just sort of out of guys rather than you know necessarily that they're going to come off this Arizona game and just be un unable to get prepared for the Ravens with three extra days. And I I I, I do think that's obviously an advantage, but some of that is counteracted by the fact that Browns are playing at home. And, but, and it is actually funny because the way he just put it down, could you imagine if we had, you know, and even using the terms, say in August, week 14, the Browns are going to try and get this passing game off the ground against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just an indication of just how ugly the season has gone. It's just, you know, they have had certain successes and, and it's just not nearly enough of them and they shouldn't be where they are. And uh, it, it's obviously something that has to get better, you know, hopefully these th last three weeks and then certainly for 2020. Yeah, I mean, look, in the simplest of forms, get the running game going early, go into halftime, up two scores, finish it from there, um, where you can kind of almost maybe kind of take Kyler's legs in that equation, out of the game, hopefully. Um, you know, as always, pay Joe Schobert. Um, <laughs> forever and ever, pay Joe Schobert. You people don't realize how integral he is. That's fine. Pete, NFL-wise, Browns-wise, anything Pete needs to get off his chest? I don't think so. 
Guys, it's weird when we give Pete an open platform and he actually walks away from it. It is. Uh, latest over at Browns, maybe, but. Uh, just, I wrote about Chobert and that situation and why it's more than just one player. Uh, it could be, you know, a big effect on the defense. Uh, uh, keeping up with everything that's going on. Uh, more, you know, continuing with the Odell Beckham stuff because it just, it's still there. And uh, did a thing on Sheldrick Roadline a couple of days ago talking about all the stuff he's been doing from multiple positions. So just uh, all kinds of stuff going on over there. Yeah. And the final thing I showbered though, is if, you know, there's two scenarios that this is going to work out, but if you're going to run this coaching staff back next year, the last thing Pete you need to be doing is creating more holes on this roster. And if this guy is working, with what is, you know, with how this whole foundation is working, like Joe Schobert is, you can't create a hole like that when you've got other glaring ones. And that's the one that drives me nuts. And if it's John who wants to run this back, that's fine. But then you might want to run it back with some of the key chess pieces to this because, you know, look, Mac – you know, Mac, I, I love, I, I've fallen in love with the type of guy he is, the kid he is. It seems like, you know, he really, really wants to succeed, but the proof's in the pudding on that. Look, Sione Takitaki, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Sheldrick Redwine was taking an incomplete on this entire season. It's leaning more that that's not going to be the case anymore. Sione Takitaki is the one who's going to be taking the incomplete on this season. So it, it, it's just, if if John Dorsey really wants to run this back, and it's just so frustrating how the hell he's handling it. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think No, it shouldn't matter it. either way. But if John Dorsey truly wants to run this back, then what the hell? How is Schobert not a part of the equation? Well, I, I mean, I I agree. But I also, I mean, if you, if you, if you blow up the staff and you go to the new one, then I still think you're going to want him. Uh, running things, and you know he's largely been the one trying to get every all the you know Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki and those guys straightened out on this. Uh, I don't think that changes next season. Uh, so you would lose you know that veteran presence in the linebacking room. You'd lose your guy who calls signals. So I don't you know if you change coaching staffs, I, I think that arguably is worse to not bring him back. Probably a fairly good point. Uh, he is Pete Smith. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith. Make sure you're following at Browns Maven. Check out all the stuff through SI.com. Browns Maven. Pete and his uh, team are putting up over there. Uh, the show itself at Locked On Browns. Always follow back account. DMs are open. Anything you guys want, need, hit me up. Questions, you want to yell, any of that stuff. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore, uh, LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there as well. Appreciate everybody. You know, you guys, uh, this, this probably isn't the outcome we all wanted here. Um, the support, though, for the show and, you know, for everything Pete and I are doing, can't thank you enough. You guys are awesome with that. Uh, with that, we'll put a bow on this. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.